God is good all the time, isn't he? We've been talking about Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. And I just want to continue. I'm going to stay there for an undetermined amount of time, but uh, I'm going to be there today. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 1, it says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence. Faith is the evidence of things we cannot see. And it says, through their faith, the people in days of old, referring to the Old Testament, that are, are the patriarchs, right? The greats of the Bible that we read about. It says that they had faith that earned them a good reputation. And it says in verse 6 that it is impossible for us, just like it was for them, to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him, and here's what faith is, must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. We need to first believe that He is God and that He'll do what He says. Right? Amen? And we are His church. That's how we're going to walk, isn't it? We're going to believe that he is who he is and that he's going to do what he says. Amen? Okay, amen. Thank you, Pastor. I'll just amen myself. But Jesus said in the book of Luke, chapter 18, verse 8, he warns us. He warns the New Testament church. We're the New Testament church. We have this amazing hall of faith in Hebrews 11, but Jesus warns us with this verse. It says... When the Son of Man returns, when the Son of Man returns, and He is returning, whether we return to Him first or He returns to us, our time is ticking. And we're going to either be with Him or He's going to be with us here. And He said, referring to us here and now, how many will He find on the earth that have faith? Or will He really find faith when He returns? In fact, this has actually been preached on many times that the way that it's worded, it's kind of tough to get into the English language, but in the Hebrew language, it almost says that there will be very little faith. It'll be hard to find faith. We need to be a people that believes God. And today we're seeing belief in the general generic name of little g God is just becoming you know, anything you want, you know, it won't be long. Call me crazy, but they'll find this tape. They'll find, there's no such thing as tapes anymore. Thank you. Talking to the next generation down. There's no such thing as tapes anymore. They'll find this on the internet one day, if that still exists. And they'll say, wow, he said that. It won't be long before there's AI gods and internet gods. The gods just keep coming. They've always been, there's always been little G gods and there's going to be more. But faith in the true God, faith in God, who's God, right? Jesus came representing one God, not many gods, one God, God the Father. And there's the temptation for us to be pulled away and be worshiping all kinds of other gods. And we don't realize it. And the Lord is gracious to us and merciful to us. And he loves us and he reminds us. But we are putting our faith in so many things all the time just by as soon as the situ- we can look at your situation, look at your life, look at a moment in your life where you have weakness or struggling and trials and 
Where's the first place you run? Who do you lean on first? And we can start to look, you know, like maybe your thing today, this is a modern thing, but maybe your coping mechanism is your, is your Facebook and your cell phone. But do we run to the Holy Spirit first? Do we run to God first? Do we, do we run to other things first? And then finally, when we've figured it all out, and he still loves you through the whole process, but when we figure it all out, then we, do we run to God? And I believe that that's really what Jesus was talking about, that faith is going to be hard to find because we put, we put ourselves unknowingly, we put our faith in so many things and all kinds of theologies and, and philosophies and just, and, and just even our own strength. We need to abandon it all. True faith is this, that God is God. He is who he says he is. And that if you will let him, he loves you unconditionally, but if you, will, if you will let him, you can have a relationship with him that is going to be weird by this world's standards, not by his. It's not going to make sense. He's going to take you places you never imagined, things you could never even understand, even if you wanted to tell you he can't because we can't even understand it. But we go anyway. That's faith. We just keep trusting him and trusting him and trusting him. Who's willing to trust him like that? Who's willing to trust God, even though it seems crazy? It only seems crazy because the world has set a standard, right? God's not crazy. God's not weird. We're weird. But he seems weird because we have a standard. And each generation sets a new one. That's why we can't, we can't just keep rewriting the Bible based upon society or the times we live in. We have to go, and, and, and I'm not talking about translations, but I'm literally, they're just starting to do this cut and paste Bible because it doesn't make sense in today's society. Well, we have to, you cannot adjust God's word, his eternal word that was found, I mean, that he wrote on, he wrote it on stone first. It made it to paper, but it was written on stone. I mean, it, just the symbolism you could say, well, that's all they had then. I don't know. But just the symbolism of, of this is the foundation. You cannot change his word. You can put it in the English language, but you cannot take away what you don't like and add what you want. His word is his word. We need to have faith that just believes that he is who he is. And especially as science keeps increasing, we're going to get too smart for our own good. Already, you, you know, I can tell you anything about anyone, anywhere, anytime in history, and even in the future, I can tell you where the stars will be in a thousand years today because of the technology that is, just keeps increasing, and it's right in my pocket at all times. We need to be careful that we don't lean upon our own strength and upon, our, upon this world and upon its knowledge. And it will try. Uh, as hard as, as it, is, it is to understand, it's going to keep coming and keep increasing. People are going to continually give themselves over more and more to this world in ways that we would have never understood. And they'll really think you're crazy when you decide when they're so smart and they've got everything all figured out and they know everything that you still decide to say, I'd rather know nothing and just know God. We need to make that decision now though, because your mind is a very weird thing. Your mind, it's amazing. It takes years to form habits, doesn't it? 
and it takes even longer to break them. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can, we can bypass that natural system. We can learn his habits very quickly, and we can break our human habits very quickly, but only in faith and in the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? That was from the Holy Spirit for you. <laughs> in Hebrews 11, though, it continues, and I just want to continue with Abraham. It says in Hebrews 11, verse 8, and I just want to review very quickly just in two minutes of what we said last week, that it was by faith that Abraham obeyed. So it takes faith to obey. Because what is obedience to God? Obedience to God is, is not necessarily him telling you the details. He doesn't need to tell you what he's going to do and how he's going to do and when he's going to do it, but he'll tell you to do it. And faith is just obeying him as Abraham did when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And he went without knowing where he was going. And we need to just be honest with ourselves. We can look at the word, even Abraham, and even when I'm going to preach today, you cannot create a box in your life. You cannot look at his life or David's life or Joseph's life or Paul's life and create boxes and say, well, this is what my life's going to be based on what they did and where they were. Because if you read, they all had the same faith, but every single one of them had different stories. Some of them were kings and some of them were nobodies. And we just need to understand that each of them, though, had this commonality of they trusted God no matter what. But we cannot build boxes around God and say, well, if I trust him, that means I'm going to be rich. Or if I trust him, that means I'm going to be poor. You can't really say either. We just need to say, I'm trusting you. And wherever you've placed me on this earth, wherever that is, I mentioned last week that um, Paul even um, cautions us. He says, if you get saved and you are a servant, specifically a slave, don't even try to not become a slave. If God granted you freedom, then so be it. But if that's where you've been saved, then just stay there and be a, a Christian slave. Isn't that crazy? Imagine that being taught today. But the point is, is that we, I think we, as Christians, we have ideas of what faith is and that we can faith ourselves out of anything. And But faith is not necessarily getting you out of anything. But faith is trusting God to get you through everything. Come on, let's say that again. Faith is not trying to get out of anything, but it's trusting God to get you through everything. He's got a purpose. He wants to save the people down low and he wants to save the people up high. Technically to God, he said the least will be greatest and the greatest will be least. It's an upside down kingdom. So just get it out of your head. Doesn't even matter anyway. But, but to the human, he's, he's got to speak. How do you speak? How do you, how do you translate God thinking to human there is no great, there is no least. It's all upside down to God. But there are kings on this earth and there are the very low on this earth and he wants to save and reach them all and everybody in between. We just need to be who we are and stop trying to faith ourselves out of where God has placed us. Maybe you are exactly where he wants you to be. And maybe we need to trust him to stand where we are instead of just trying to faith into the next, what we think is the next thing in our lives. In fact, is this not even a Christian saying, it's a world saying, but life, I'm going to paraphrase a couple of sayings, actually, I got a couple whirling around in my mind, that life is right now. 
Life is right now. If you are always trying to live for tomorrow, you know, do this and that and believe God and set this up and set that up and then whatever, so that tomorrow, it never comes, first of all, because you always want more. You're always going to start, you're going to dream bigger and greater anyway. It's just our human nature. So first of all, tomorrow never comes. But second of all, what about all that time in between? We just need to be comfortable with God. And I, and I believe that's what his word shows us right here, right now. If you look at every single, I'm just going to look at Abraham because we don't have time, but you could look at every single character in the entire Bible and every single one has this common story, which is that it was not one, two, three. It was not ABC. There is no real I mean, you want to try to find some grounding and we just, we want everything all pretty and beautiful and perfect, but not one of their stories is. Was God great in every story? Absolutely. Did God come through for them in every single story? Absolutely. Did he do more than they could possibly imagine or able to do in their own strength? Absolutely. But is there a pattern that they could say, well, I'll just do this, this, and that, and, and that'll be it. And now I know I'm trusting God. No, there's no pattern. The pattern is trust God. And when we need to come to terms with God's gonna, he's gonna, as soon as you think you've got it figured out and you know where you're going, I believe God just flips it upside down on purpose so that you have to trust him. It's not your walk, it's his walk through you. It's Christ in us. It's not I who lives, come on, this is the word. It's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He has a walk that he wants to walk through you and still your feet, still your decisions. And he even uses your mistakes, but it's Christ in you, isn't it? Amen. God is good. And I love him so much. He's so good to us. It says in Hebrews eleven eight though, that it says, even when, verse nine, rather, even when he reached the land God promised, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. And Abram, Abram, Abraham, thank you, was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. The hall of faith is not about people who never made mistakes. It's these people appeared to have appeared to have made many wrong turns. They appeared to have made many wrong turns. And but we read last week, and last week's sermon was that uh, Abraham found himself in Egypt. God called him to his land of inheritance. And now all of a sudden he's in Egypt. What am I doing in Egypt? How did I get here? Was that God? Was it the devil? Was it my mistake? What, is it just life? I mean, who knows? Sometimes you get into places uh, that you don't even know how you got there. But it says in Genesis chapter 13, verse 1, Abram left Egypt. The day came, he kept his eyes on God, that he left the place that was abstract, it's life is not simple and walking with God is not simple. And, and I'm not preaching this to, as a way to, to sow, I'm not trying to bring a, a wet blanket. Is that the right term? And make you feel awful. I'm trying to encourage you in your own walks because who's actually, actually, let's just say it this way. Who in here, just do a show of hands, has a perfect life right now? Everything's perfect. 
Okay. All right. So we're all on the same page. My point is I want to encourage you that you're right where you're supposed to be. That life is not perfect. It is in God's eyes. That's what's incredible. It is through his eyes. That's why weeks ago I preached to you that we need to look from his eyes because it's perfect from his point of view. But in this natural world, we have these Hollywood TV, 1950s black and white pictures of perfection. And you need to just get rid of that. I'm not saying that you won't ever have those things. That's fine. Have those things. But that's not your inheritance. That's not perfection. It's actually what Jesus has done in you and through you. And you may never even understand that on this earth until we're in heaven. And then the Lord shows you all the little things, the kind word right here. And you're saying that one kind word put an addition on my mansion in heaven. And it's not going to make sense to us, but that's the reality of God's kingdom. And so let's continue. Abram left he trusted God. That's what we need to do. We need to understand it is not here. This is not our home. That forget uh, what we think is right, what we think is wrong. We lean upon God. And it says in verse 3 that he went to the same place that he had been before. He came back to God. Sometimes you're going to get whacked by this life, whacked by the devil. Sometimes whacked by God for your own good. Come on, parents, you whack your children for their good. <laughs> you have to be kind, not too hard. We're not talking about child abuse, but we just show them, hey, hey, right? God does it for our own good, but we always say, thank you, God. We love you, God. We come back. He came back, and it says in verse four that he worshiped the Lord again. He worshiped the Lord again and it says that he, in verse 18, that he moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamre, and there he built another altar to the Lord. See, our patriarchs, the Hall of Faith, it appears that they wandered for a season. But I want us to understand that what looks like wandering who has felt like they've wandered a little bit in their walk? <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Maybe your wandering was exactly the steps that God wanted you to take because they got you to where you're at now. We're bringing God, oh, I made this mistake and I made that mistake and this wrong turn and that wrong turn. And it's such a weird thing to understand in our human minds because humanly, they may have actually been genuine mistakes. But in God's perspective, it, because of that left turn, it made you make a very sharp right turn. And, and you needed to make that wrong turn to realize that burner's hot. I'm not touching that again. God's good, isn't he? He's always good. Even when we don't understand, he's good. And it says, though, that in, he in Hebrews 11, 11, I want to pick up right there at that oak of Mamre. It says that it was by faith that even Sarah, 11, 11, Hebrews, was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. So God got them back 
Sometimes you get into places, you don't know how you got there, just come back to God. Keep trusting God. And I didn't just, I went longer, actually, I said it would be two minutes, and I, I, I'm sorry, but that was the Holy Spirit. That wasn't just my rambling. You get into places you don't understand, and then you get settled. Come on, we get off, and then we get settled. We trust God, right? We trust God, and then God increases your faith. As soon as you come back to God and get settled, he's going to do something in your life every time to cause you to have more faith than you did before because he's constantly increasing our faith. So, okay, you trusted me. I brought you here. And okay, now we're settled, right? You think you're good. I'm good with God. As soon as you think you're settled, just get ready because God's going to start doing more in you. He's never finished with you. He's constantly crafting and working on you for your good and his glory. But it says in Genesis chapter 18, verse 1, the Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. So that very place that he settled, God comes and appears to him there. He came back, he worshiped God, he settled again. You got to settle. You got to just get into the place where you trust him, get to that place of settled, get to that place of peace with him. Sometimes that takes a week, two weeks, two years or 20 years to get settled with God and have peace. You got to get to that place because once you do, the Lord's going to speak again. Come on. Amen. Get to that place because then the Lord's going to speak to you. And, and until we settle yesterday, he's not going to deal with tomorrow. We got to get settled and trust him. And then he speaks again and he says, he says this though, which is amazing. Hebrews 11, 11 said that Sarah believed God to keep his promise. But it says in verse nine, God says, the angel of the Lord says to Abram, where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. And Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me, enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son." And Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. I thought this little piece of the story was so incredible, though, because Hebrews records it as, it says, Sarah was able to have a child by faith. And it says that though she was barren and she was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. I love that the writer of Hebrews records her story a little bit different than when you read the actual details. And actually, actually, if you go through Hebrews 11, it's much like that. If you read the, all the details, it looks like that's faith, laughing, there's no way. And I want to bring, uh, the reason that this is so important that we read Hebrews and Genesis, and I want God to say to you today is that faith is not you always being superhuman. You are not 
a superhuman. You are only super because Christ is in you. Your humanity, just like that song says, give me faith, my flesh is weak. Jesus said it to the disciples, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. You have that thing in you, your flesh and your spirit, and they're, they're warring, the Bible tells us as well. It doesn't mean that your flesh is going to win, right? We choose to let our flesh, we choose to have it submit to our spirit, but your flesh will make mistakes. Come on, I want you to raise your hand. Not past tense. I want you to say it future tense. I will. This is a, you know, we should record this, put this on YouTube. A great declaration of faith. Ready? I will make mistakes. Wow, what a declaration of faith, Pastor. Wow, incredible. You, but we need to stop worry. We need to stop being focused. Remember last week I said you need to focus on the promise, not the problems. And that's not to hype you up and to, and to just give you a motivational speech here. The point is that when she was, when the story was recorded in Hebrews 11, post tense, we're going to read the story anyway, but do you think that baby was born or not? Was Isaac born to Sarah or not? When God says something's going to be done in your life, it's going to be done. And in fact, he doesn't even need you to believe him. Wow. Wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa. God is more than willing to give you time to get the faith to believe what is already going to happen anyway. He's willing. When you look at Jesus and Peter. When Jesus first called Peter, does Peter look like a pillar in the kingdom? Or does he look like a blue-collar fisherman who is still warring and fighting right to the last minute. Remember Peter in the garden. Jesus is about to be led to the cross and pay the ultimate price and finish his, his time on earth. And Peter picks up a sword and strikes the ear off. Malchus, remember? He's still, but Jesus tells Peter actually at the Last Supper, he tells him, wow, I had it in my spirit. I'm going to paraphrase because I know what he said. I just don't remember word for word. He said, when you get settled and you finish stealing, you're going to deny me. And when all that's done, you're going to actually come back and encourage your brothers. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? God is not expecting you just because you didn't believe him every second of every day, although that would be best for us. I'm not saying don't believe God. I'm not giving you license to have no faith. I'm just saying that there are times where we're going to laugh and say, no way. Dawn did that two and a half years ago. She said to me adamantly, I will not be a pastor's wife. Listen, God is God. And you can either have faith to believe what he's going to do because he's God. <laughs> Come on right? Are you glad to be a pastor's wife? I know you are. Well, sometimes we laugh and, and you know, they named Isaac, Isaac. Do you know what Isaac means? Laughter. Because she says, it says, 
The Lord kept his word. Come on. Genesis 21, verse 1. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. And this happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. And verse 6, Sarah declared, God brought me laughter. And all who hear about this will laugh with me. They were 100 years old, by the way. (laughs) I think we would laugh today, too. Verse 7, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby, yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. And we, this verse has been preached a thousand different ways, but actually what he was saying is, is we're on this earth, one day we'll be present with God physically and we'll be able to see him. But right now we're on this earth. And so we are walking knowing that we're going to be with him physically, but right now we don't see him. In other words, I know that his promise, I know he's going to do things that are beyond me. I know that there's an inheritance for me in heaven. I know that my life is laid out and I don't see it yet, but I just trust God. It's not you even looking at those things. You're just looking at him. You're looking at him. Faith is not for things. Faith is in God. You can't faith your way to things. I wonder if, and this is, I don't like to give you my opinion. I like to just give you the word. But I wonder if people think that they've been in faith, but the devil just gave them things. But I can say this because look at Hollywood. And in fact, Katy Perry said it. She actually said it in an interview. She used to be a Christian singer. And she said, I sold my soul to the devil. She said it laughingly and jokingly. But she went from a nobody as a Christian singer to the top in the secular world. Now, did God do that for her? I don't think so. I think God had a plan and a purpose for her, being born in a Christian home, having Christian parents that are pastors, and having her be a Christian singer. And be really not that popular necessarily, but be exactly who you were and where you were meant to be and touching the per- people that you were meant to touch. So sometimes just because we get things in our lives does not mean it was faith. Faith is trusting God. And the things that you get are irrelevant. Irrelevant. Because it might be one thing for one person and another thing for another. And you cannot look. The Bible calls that coveting. You cannot look at what they've gotten from what their faith and say, well, my faith is weaker than theirs. They may not even have faith. For all you know, they're in sin, but putting on a show. Saying that they're a Christian, but they've just really are very worldly and the, and the devil's been blessing them. And meanwhile, you don't have what they have and you go, I don't have faith. And Jesus wants to tell you today that your faith is greater than you even know because you're trusting in me. And don't look at your life around you because all this is going to crumble and pass away anyway. Look to me. 
Amen? Because he can do things that are beyond us. And it wasn't about their blessing. And in fact, you know, the promise kept the promise that God gave Abraham. He never saw it on this earth. The promise he kept giving him was, you're going to have this great inheritance. This land is yours and your descendants are going to have it. But he never saw it. And I've been kind of going through that theme these weeks that who knows if what you're doing here on this earth is actually for the next generation or generations ahead of you. So stop looking and saying, I'm not doing for God or I'm not active enough or I'm not successful enough or I could be doing more and should be doing more. Just look to him, trust in him and be all that he called you to be. And that's it. We need to settle that because we look at these stories and we need to just start, we need to look at the details sometime and see these were normal people. They didn't know where they were going and they laughed sometimes when God told them what they were going to do. They denied it sometimes. This is not my sermon, but we can go to Gideon. Gideon is so unsure that God's actually spoken that he, he that's where we get the term fleecing him, right? We fleece God. Because he puts, he puts, he's like, Lord, I want it just wet on the fleece only and not wet on the ground. But I need, you know, and then that's not enough. I want the ground wet and I don't want the fleece wet. But yet God told him, oh, Gideon, great Gideon, mighty Gideon. Who are you talking to, Lord? You can't look at the natural. You can't look at you. You can't look at your mental, your physical capabilities because that has nothing to do with you. Wow, that's faith. Faith is has nothing to do with you. But Gideon, once he decided to trust God, then he did super things. He wasn't superhuman, but super God started going through normal Gideon, and he looked like a superhuman, didn't he? And so did all of the men and women of God that continued to trust him. Is this making any sense today? And something happens here. I want you to say out loud, this is where my story gets weird. Come on, say it out loud. This is where my story gets weird. It is not God's walk and God's plan for you. It's been ordered by him and it's perfect by his standards, but it is not in a box. And when we think God messed up, I messed up, the devil did something, we just need to set our eyes on him again. I don't know what God is doing most of the time, sometimes he tells me. Most of the time he doesn't, but I just keep trusting him anyway. And what happens here? It says that his, this beautiful son, Isaac, this beautiful boy, this beautiful gift, it says, Genesis chapter 22, which it says sometime, it's only one chapter later, but you have to figure this is every day, moment by moment, second by second. Chapter 22, verse 1. I want you to say that out, late, out loud. Sometime later. Because sometime later, the very thing, their walk, man, it, it's, when you're reading them chapter by chapter, we read their story too fast. You have to figure this is a life. This is time. I had a kind of a, my own personal rough February, just stuff, just life stuff. But it felt like one month was like 10 years, just life stuff. But 
it's amazing. We, you have to put yourself in their shoes like that and realize that they trusted God through it all. They didn't understand, and sometimes they didn't even believe him, but then they got the faith, okay, God is God. He took us this far. He's not going to leave us now. And it says, though, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. What? Wait a second. I mean, many of us know this story, but do you ever just look at this and say, what? I don't have time, but God made it very clear to Abraham, because Abraham had another son, remember, Ishmael. And people have preached that that was a mistake. I disagree as I've been reading it and reading it and reading it. God never tells him once it's a mistake. He never tells Ishmael that it's a mistake, and he never tells Hagar that she was a mistake or that her child was a mistake. In fact, he says, I'm going to bless you greatly. But anyway, the point was God said that this son, Isaac, is the one I'm going to build. I'm going to do something amazing through. Jesus Christ is going to come through you. You can't even understand that, but that's really what I'm saying to you. And he, now he's telling him to take him and go sacrifice him. So I think that Abraham would have been a little confused right now. And yet it says this in verse 3. The next morning, come on, I want you to say that out loud. The next morning, Abraham got up early. Ever get up extra early to go do something for God you don't want to do? Who, who makes a habit of when God tells you something you don't want to do? That's when you get up extra early, get it all ready. Yeah. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his servants. I mean, he's like, he's on the ball. I guess what God said at this point Listen, I'm an old man, 100 years old, and God make, gave us a baby. We just, we need to settle that, hey, sometimes God does stuff so crazy in your life on purpose, so that when he asks you to do the next thing, come on, you go, okay, God, you know what? This doesn't make sense, but obviously that was you. And if you're telling me to do something that I don't understand, I'm just going to believe you. And so, very quickly, just want to breeze through this part. He does what God calls him to do, and he gets to the mountain, and even Isaac asks, he turns to Abraham in verse 7 and says, uh, I see the fire, and I see, uh, I see the knife, um, but yeah, something missing here. I don't see the sheep. But in verse 8, Abraham says, God will provide. Come on, say it out loud. God will provide. And he went on knowing just like he had done the first time. And and this was a miraculous moment. And it's been a confusing time for them being taken from their homeland to another land. They're in Egypt. There's a lot more to the story that you'd have to preach on for so long. And I just didn't want to, don't want to do that on Sunday mornings. It'd be a great Bible study for weeks. But he had to deal with his nephew a lot. And there's just a lot going on that he's learned that I either trust God or just, you know, I don't know what else to do. I got to just trust him. Come on. So God gets you to the place where you have no other choice but just to say, I just got to trust him at this point in my life. I don't know what else to do, but just trust God. That's a great place to be, by the way. I love that he allows circumstances in our life to get us to say that. I don't know what else to do, but I'm going to trust God. So here he is, and it says that 
he ties, verse 9, he, we know the story. He puts Isaac on that altar. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. But verse 11, at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes. He replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for I know that you truly fear God. And this is what the Lord's speaking to us today. You have not withheld from me. Faith sometimes is, is, is not necessarily you just gritting your teeth and just focusing and, and, and just trusting, but it's also, it's got to be just this place of peace with him, a place of settled with him. It's not necessarily tenacious as much as it is just, I, I can't even, I don't have the words. I think you can sense what I'm saying in my spirit, but just a diligence a settled diligence in him, just a trust in him. I'm not going to withhold anything from you. You're God. Technically, you're God. You could take whatever you want. We need to remember that. Everything you have was from him anyway. We don't understand, but he could take if he wanted to, and actually he asked him to give it willingly, and he was. Don't withhold from God. He's causing us and calling us into faith and we, we're not going to trust him every second, but we just keep coming back and keep learning and keep learning to trust him. And what we're doing is just letting it all go every step of the way, just letting it go. Nothing. There's nothing in between you and God. And the circumstances are getting you to do that. And he says, not even your own son, your only son. It's funny that he calls him his only son here. He does have another son. But it's his only son that God said, I'm going to give you your promise through. Uh, this is, that's a whole other sermon, but there's fallbacks in our life. But there's a, there's a way that you know that God calls you to go. There's other things you could do and be a good Christian, but there's the thing that he called you to do. But don't put it in a box. As soon as you think you got that thing figured out, the Lord's going to turn it upside down on purpose. And you go, God, this is all that I've got. And he's going to say, exactly, give it to me. And then the Lord gives it back, doesn't he? He gives him back to him. He says, he actually says, verse 15, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld, even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. That's, you want the Lord's blessing. And, and again, don't put uh, uh, earthly American description on what his blessing is. But if you want God's blessing on your life and on your future and, and his promise, then just give it all to him. Lay it all down. Be willing to just trust him and believe him because he will bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And they will conquer cities of the enemies. It says in Hebrews 11, verse 17, that it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. And Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, even though God told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But verse 19 says that Abraham reasoned 
that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. You have to be willing, and I've, I've preached this in different ways so many times, you have to be willing. You have to have, you have to just get rid of it. God is willing to work with you and he loves you so greatly. He loves you so much and he's willing to work with your laughter. He's willing to work with your doubts, but he will keep pushing you until you get to the place where you don't withhold. Don't worry about the process. If you read the details, there's lots of weirdness in their story in the sense that it's not, it doesn't seem like super faith. It seems like figuring it out. And that's perfectly fine. God is willing for you to just keep figuring it out. And this is what you're going to figure out. I can tell you right now that God is God and he loves you and he's got a plan and purpose for you. But it takes life to keep figuring it out. And each time he's going to ask to just keep giving him more, give me more, give me more. And that's faith. That's what faith is. And then he starts giving and starts doing and starts blessing. And then as soon as you have it, he says, okay, now I want to make sure that you don't lean upon the promise and upon the things and you lean upon me and may ask you to give him the very thing that you thought was, was the finality. But it wasn't, was it? It wasn't. First of all, it wasn't the finality, but he was willing. And it says this in Romans 4, and I'll close with this. It says, for the scriptures tell us in verse 3, Romans 4, verse 3, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous. Come on, don't we want to be counted as righteous before God? Because of his faith. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. And this happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping and believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, to many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Look what Romans says as well. Just like Hebrews says, it says that his faith did not weaken. God doesn't look at the times where you're not sure and you're, and you're wavering. He's not even at the end of the story. He's not even looking at those moments. He's looking at the decision you made after that moment. And as I've already preached, maybe that moment was necessary to get the faith. It's what caused the faith in the first place, he lets you sense the weakness and the, and the lack in you so that now you'd have the faith that, okay, it's obvious, this is obviously God. And it says that he did not weaken even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead in Sarah's womb. And it says in verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And that's God's purpose in you is to grow your faith. He's growing our faith by our circumstances and getting us to trust him more and increasing our faith and then trusting him more and increasing our faith. And this, and it says that he was fully convinced, verse 21, that God is able to do what 
whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. Amen. Let's stand. Nose is running, so we're done. God, we thank you and praise you so much that you love us so much that you have a plan and purpose for everyone in here, Lord. From the youngest to the oldest in this room, you have a plan and purpose. We're never truly finished on this earth, and we don't even know where it begins, Lord. Began before time began. So we just keep our eyes on you. We keep trusting in you. We thank you, Lord, that the promise, that your purpose, that the end, Lord, it's so far out of our sight anyway. It's an eternal vision that we don't even understand, so that what we do is just keep trusting in you and keep believing that you are God and that you are doing. Lord, you're moving, and it's for our good and for your glory, Lord. We just thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done for us. And I pray in each of us, Lord, from the soles of our feet to the tops of our head, Lord, that we would be filled, Lord, with a faith that does not come from us, but rather, Lord, is a, is a simple belief, Lord, that is compounded by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in us, giving us super faith, Lord. I pray that you'd continue to increase our faith, continue, Lord, through our circumstances to get us to the place where we just trust you no matter what, come life or death in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.